It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the free time of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that cabbage out of here. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 922 of Locked On Raptors for Thursday, April the 8th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. You can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And, of course, please make sure you're checking out the entirety of the Locked On Podcast Network, covering all of your favorite teams throughout the Big Four Sports and the NCAA. We've also got our national shows like Locked On Today and Locked On NBA Draft and the Crosscheck NHL show. There's no shortage of great podcast listening for you to do across the Lockdown Network, and we appreciate your support. Today's show is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join me this week, or in fact tonight, uh, during the second half of Raptors Bulls. Myself, Vivek Jacob, maybe Katie Heindler are going to be joining the call. We're going to have a little watch party as the Raptors take on the Bulls in a huge play-in game, uh, play-in <laughs> game ramifications game. It's the, the drama is high. It's going to be wonderful. Locker room changing the way we talk about sports. Okay, on today's show, bit of a deviation. Finally, we get a day where there's not a game recap to do, just because it seems like there's games every single freaking night. Uh, and instead, we get to dive into something that has been a thing I've wanted to talk about quite a bit this year, and I wanted to get the right man for the job on the show. We were finally able to line it up, a man who knows a lot about defense. And today we are going to dive into the Raptors' defense and where things have gone wrong for them this season after being the number two defense in the league last year, and in many ways the best and most important defense in the year, in the league last year, where many a think piece was written. And of course, the Milwaukee Bucks finishing first, like they just, you know, they're long and do the drop thing. The Raptors did a lot more in terms of creativity and uh, innovative sort of schemes and all that last year. And they seem to have tried to continue the magic this year, but it has not worked whatsoever. And joining me to dig into the Raptors defensive drop off throughout this 2021 season is one of my favorite people on Raptors Internet, one of the uh, brightest defensive minds on Raptors Internet from the Too Much Hoops YouTube page and at Too Much Hoops on Twitter. It is Brad Vermont. Brad, how's, that, how's it going, man? Hey, Sean. How's it going? It's going well. I'm glad to talk to you. It's been a little while and happy to get you back on the pod to talk about defense, the thing that you know very, very well. Uh, and I just read your stuff and parlay <laughs> and parrot it back and say, look at me. I know defense too, baby. Um, that's that's the what we all do. I can possibly give. Yeah. Um, so, Brad, the Raptors defense has not been good this year. We're going to dive into where things have gone wrong. Maybe there's some room for improvement. Maybe there's just it's just COVID and there's nothing else to really chalk it up to. We'll see. As it stands right now, the Raptors, after the game against the Lakers on Tuesday night, somehow sit 
15th in defense at a 111.7 defensive rating. They are, in fairness, like 0.4 points out of 24th. So it's pretty clustered. There's not much defense being played across the league this season, to be fair. And, you know, they're kind of in that mushy middle. You know, they could finish anywhere between looking at the numbers, I don't know, between like 13th and 25th, frankly, if uh, things continue on their current trajectory. Um, I guess my question for you, Brad, is where have things gone wrong the most this year, do you think, for the Raptors' defense? Where do you think the drop-off can be sort of most seen in this year's team versus last year's team? I think the it's a bit obvious, but the, the big answer there is that is the center position just has gone from Mark Gasol, who is like a defensive genius, former defensive player of the year, and Serge Ibaka as a backup, uh, to, you know, Aaron Baines and, and Chris Boucher, who are not even in their world in terms of uh, quality on defense. So that's, I, I mean, that's a big part of it because a, a big part of, what go what happens on a basketball court is the the guards and the perimeter players try to keep their guy in front of them to to whatever degree the the defensive scheme specifies and then eventually at some point the offensive players will penetrate inside the perimeter and attack the basket and you need to have people there to stop them <laughs> like that's that's a very uh, simple way of putting it uh, but the people who are supposed to be there to stop them are now Chris Boucher and Aaron Baines instead of Marc Gasol and Serge Ibaka, who, although they are both aging, uh, are both very effective defenders. And I, I think just as importantly, very effective communicators and thinkers. And uh, and those things are important too, not just, not just your getting your body to the right spot, but like mm-hmm. anticipating what's going to be happening next and covering for people and communicating to people what they should be doing in real time. Yeah, I think you're right in that things begin with the center position. Uh, and I, I want to ask you about Chris Boucher because Boucher is a guy who has like all the defensive tools. We know he blocks threes with more regularity than anybody else in the league. In fact, more than most teams do combined it's wonderful it's insanely fun to watch but I think when you kind of go beyond those sort of highlight plays the blocks you know the huge block totals in in given games I think on the whole I would kind of classify Chris Boucher as a bad defensive player who just has those flourishes of wow holy crap that guy can jump real high and you know I think that kind of those plays sort of paper over a lot of the issues that are more persistent maybe a little bit more sort of part of the fundamental root causes of the Raptors issues on that end of the floor. I mean, he's won a defensive player of the year in the G league before. Like he obviously has the defensive tools. It's just, you know, I, I think there's probably some struggling with the, the NBA game and the speed and the sort of responsibility that is heaped, especially considering he's playing center and he's absolutely out of position. He's a four. Nick Nurse has talked about it. We've talked about it all season long, said it, I believe, in the first week of the year. The dude's a four who's been forced to play some five because of the roster. Right. You know, is there a world in which Chris Boucher is a reliable enough defender to you to like play in an important game? Because like right now, I'm very on the fence about Chris Boucher. I, I hate that I am. He's super fun. He's a wonderful story. And during the regular season, there are a few players who kind of 
bring more light and fun to random regular season games than him. He's awesome, but I still don't think I would trust him to play in a meaningful basketball game for my team. <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's not. He doesn't seem to have the goods for that. You know, is it just the matter of him playing center? Do you think if he's playing four more regularly, he, like he could be a meaningful defensive contributor to a team, or do the other issues like the lateral quickness and stuff become an issue there? Because it does feel like Boucher, a lot of the time, whenever the Raptors are going through their worst defensive stretches, and there have been a lot of them this year, it does kind of feel like Boucher is at the center of the action at a lot of them. And maybe that's unfair. Maybe it's it's not just him, but it does feel to me like if you're going to point to one culprit, Boucher, to me, I think would kind of stand out as, oh no, that guy is the one who's on the floor most often when things go awry. Um, I, I, I half agree. Um, I, I think... He's not a great defender, and I don't think he ever will be. Um, I, I wouldn't even say he's particularly good. I don't think he's so bad. I don't think he, he can ever be like a starter in important games uh, mm-hmm. for, for defense reasons. But I think, I think if he were playing a more limited role, like if the Raptors just needed him to like soak up 10, 15 minutes a game, that would be... Uh, a position that would put him in uh, a better position to succeed. Um, so that's, uh, yeah, he, he's okay. The One of the things that is frustrating with him, and, and to be honest, has always been frustrating with him, is uh, his discipline. Uh, right. Jumping out at, at, at three-point shooters or jumping on pump fakes. And, and the blocks are good and the blocks are nice. Um, but one of the things he was doing well sort of in the first I don't know, 10-ish games of the season when the Raptors were getting killed, to be honest. But he was a, a, at least, uh, it felt like he was playing with more defensive discipline. And uh, and sort of as the season has gone along, I feel like there's been more instances of him, you know, just just taking a, a bad line on a run out at a three-point shooter mm. so that you your body winds up going into his or g- just, you know, on a line to graze past his and then you know how shooters will lean into the guy running past and then you get called for the foul which is kind of a bs call but also the refs call that all the time so don't do it (laughs) you know that's (laughs) not that's not a call that just happens against the raptors um yeah so that's that's uh yeah that's been a little bit frustrating especially because he has like he has such great length that if you are a full foot away from a guy you you have these great long arms to still be able to bother their shot uh, when you're running out at them, but uh, he, he's just not always doing it. And then, yeah, and then when guys attack the basket, he likes to jump there too. Or if he doesn't, sometimes guys can power right through him. Um, so, but and and like you said, you know, he's more of a four than a mm-hmm. five, really. So it's hard to judge him too much because he's playing a little bit out of position. But at the same time, that's you know that's what the Raptors have, so that's what we have to judge. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I do think there is a place for Boucher, particularly when he's playing next to a center who can kind of hold his own. And we saw it for a stretch where they kind of found that Baines-Boucher front court that, you know, when Baines was playing, probably his best basketball of the season was in position, you know, kind of doing the rim protection thing that you need. You know, Boucher was kind of free to fly around and do his maniac thing. And yeah, sometimes there are those discipline issues and the fouls on shooters and all that. But for the most part, I think that's where he's at his best is sort of doing the Pascal role where you're just contesting those corner threes extremely hard. And that's where you get that sort of insane 
statistical anomaly that we saw last year where the Raptors were giving up a million threes, but teams were missing them a ton because of the ghosts that shooters were seeing, to quote Mike Prada in his wonderful piece that he wrote about the Raptors last season. And that's where I kind of want to pivot into is talking about the scheme, Brad, and we'll get to the Raptors scheme and whether or not it's sustainable with this roster or any roster, frankly. (laughs) Maybe last year was a a one year aberration and, you know, maybe it's not achievable once again. We'll talk about the scheme coming up in just one second. But first, I want to tell everybody about Headspace. Wouldn't it be great if there were a pocket sized guide that could help you sleep, focus, act, be better? There is and if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your, life, change your life. Headspace is a daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditation in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So, whatever the situation, Headspace really can help you feel better. Overwhelmed? I am all the time. Headspace has a three-minute SOS meditation for you. Need some help falling asleep? Headspace has wind-down sessions that members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has morning meditations you can do with your kids to calm their asses down before getting off to start their day. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Look, it's a difficult time right now. I know that I don't feel necessarily totally right in the brain all the time either. I feel overwhelmed. I'm stressed. I'm not sleeping the best all the time. Headspace can absolutely help. It is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. That's a lot of freaking downloads. Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule anytime, anywhere. You deserve to feel happier. And Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash lockedonnba. That's headspace.com slash lockedonnba for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. Once again, that's headspace.com slash locked on NBA for the best deal being offered by Headspace right now. Today's show is also brought to you by rockauto.com. Our very good friends over there saving you money whenever you go to the mechanic because the mechanic doesn't care about saving you money. They want to charge you as much money so they can get as much money as possible for the mechanic. Well, rockauto.com is not like that. They are offering parts for much less money. That's frankly what it all sums up to. They're a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers and save up to 30, 50, 100% off of your purchases of uh, parts for your car whenever you need them, whether it's an important thing like an engine control module or an aesthetic thing like a tail lamp or a new carpet, whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. And best of all, with rockauto.com, their prices are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the exact same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on. And there, how did you hear about us, Box? They know that we sent you as well. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you'll ever need at rockauto.com. All right, just a heads up before we dive into the Raptors defensive scheme and whether it can hold up uh, Friday's podcast. I'll be joined by John Wilmus, a real GM, a whole bunch of places, Mel Magazine he's written at. He's great. And we're going to talk about the uh, the Bulls and the Raptors as they play on Thursday night. We'll talk about the play-in race. Tanking probably is going to come up. I know John has some thoughts on tanking in the draft that mirror mine, so we'll just agree with each other a whole bunch. John's great. He's been on the show before with Corbin Smith in the past, and uh, we look forward to that on Friday. But in the moment, we have Brad Vermont still here talking about defense. Brad, the Raptors' defense. We know last year they kind of mastered this scheme where they 
overcommit, they fly out to shooters, and they always kind of knew when they were doing that, that there was someone stepping up into the space they were vacating. It was on a string, a very chaotic string, but a string nonetheless, and it worked really freaking well. They were number two in the league in defense last season, and again, the subject of many a think piece. It was really amazing. They gave up a ton of threes by design, it seemed. They, you know, funneled those shots to the shooters they wanted taking them and all that. This year, we've seen them adopt or use the similar strategy, you know, maybe not quite as often. You know, they've switched a little bit more and all that, but for the most part, that's their base defense. They're going to go out and challenge shooters and fly around and hope someone's going to recover and step into the space they've left. Hasn't happened as much this year. We've seen a lot of nights where random dudes will go off and shoot a million threes and hit a million threes. We've seen a lot of nights where dudes will blow by and just kind of walk to the basket because there's no security blanket sitting behind a guy who's gotten out of position, kind of by design once again. Brad, I ask you, the Raptors' defensive scheme, was it a one-year thing? Was it tied to the personnel they had on last year's roster? Where, why has it not worked this season, and do you think it's salvageable in future years that the Raptors want to continue using it? I don't think it's necessarily a one-year thing, but I do think you need uh, like one through five very high-level defensive talent to be able to pull it off, and, and they just don't have enough right now. Um, with, with the departure of Gasol and Ibaka and with various good defenders missing lots of time this year um, or, or, and, or recovering from COVID once they're back. Um, yeah. They, they, they kind of just don't have the guys, I think, because like one of the things about that scheme is, is if there is a weak point in it, it, it's not like it just turns into a slightly better shot. It's like, if there's a, a weak point in it, the, the defense explodes. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And especially if there are multiple weak points, it's like the, with, with that sort of defense, it, it's like you're, you're running out at shooters to run them off the three point line and funnel them toward the basket. And, and, you know, as I mentioned, if what's at the basket isn't doing a good job, that's a problem. And, and then because of that guys on the perimeter overcompensate. So then it leads to their guy being open it, it's sort of like with, with this type of defense, you're trying to be one step ahead of the offense. Mm-hmm. And when you have a weak point in the defense, you sort of lose that step. And, and every time there's like a decision that has to be made, it's like you get one further step behind and, and eventually it's, it's a wide open three for somebody you don't want, or it is a, a shot at the rim that you don't want. I, mm-hmm. I haven't, I should have looked up there, uh, opponent shooting at the rim like frequency because i'd be really curious to see what that is because the reason last year worked was the raptors were giving up those threes instead of giving up a whole bunch of points at the rim um and if you give up those threes and give up points at the rim that's a big problem Uh, yeah and and the other the other reason that i i think uh some teams do well against it is i think other teams you sort of see it when we play like the Celtics and the heat sometimes where it's like, I think those coaches understand what the Raptors are trying to do and, and they sort of get their players ready so that like, Hey, Grant Williams, you're going to shoot eight threes tomorrow. Like let it fly. You have the green light. And I think guys, if they sort of know that going in are maybe a little bit 
uh, less hesitant to shoot. And, uh, and, and I think it buries the Raptors a little bit. Yeah, I'm uh, just looking at the numbers here on NBA.com. 51 games played. Uh, the Raptors are allowing the second fewest shots at the rim. Really? Uh, or inside six feet in the NBA right now, 27.4. Uh, <laughs> the Miami Heat are a full shot less ahead at 26.4, and everyone else is kind of clustered. Um, and they're giving up uh, exactly the difference from average is exactly 0.0. They're giving up a 61.6% field goal percentage at the rim. So basically in line with you know the average and obviously last year's team was anything but average and you're seeing the slip there i I, let me pull up the numbers from last year and just very quickly on the fly here as i navigate the website um yeah last year's raptors team had a negative 3.3 differential against the average so yeah there's been a drop off there for sure even though they were giving up actually more shots at the rim last season they were fourth fewest allowed last year so Mm -hmm. 28.2 shots inside six feet last season so interesting numbers there i really do agree i think it's just personnel honestly <laughs> you know yeah. the raptors last season had two centers who could you know man that back line Ab- abaka obviously a little bit less effectively than gasol but you know he was still there he's a, a stout rim protector and all that stuff you know gasol does all the communication stuff that makes things really sing but abaka was a fine more than fine backup you have kyle lowry who Look, I don't think it's any secret. His on-ball defense has really fallen apart this season. He's not been a good on-ball defender. He's a good team defender still. That's great. But, you know, when you're allowing that initial sort of blow-by, that makes things more difficult. That makes those closeouts all the more important. It kind of collapses the defense and puts you on your back heel when the Raptors' whole thing is they're always putting the offense on their back heel. And and so that's been a problem. You obviously, you, you lose... You know your three best defensive players for a large stretch in Siakam, uh, Fred, and OG, and that's going to hurt matters. It's just the I think last year they were kind of running out, you know, six, seven, eight guys who could really play that system and play it well, and they had the personnel, the like the the defensive wits, the athleticism, all of that to really kind of paper over any weaknesses, and that's just not what's going on here they, they have a lot of guys i would say they probably have three guys right now who i'm sure are fit to play a system like this and that's those three guys i mentioned siakam fred and og you know i think there's a, a case to be made that gary trent jr is going to be able to do that once he kind of gets up to speed with the system i think he's a better defender than norm powell was yeah uh and so that's a positive and and when you're looking towards whether the raptors can recapture the magic of last year trent's a part of that um i think malachi flynn looks like he's kind of maybe gonna be part of that defensive scheme too with the way that he you know can dig down and and do the Fred Van Vliet things on defense even though they're entirely different players on offense the defense it kind of lines up and you know there's that I I think you know Boucher out of his depth Baines out of his depth like they're gonna have to find new players to fill in these spots because you can't play this defense I think with fewer than like seven or eight guys who are adept at it because then like you said you have too many of those weak spots baked in, and, yeah, and, and you're just going to get roasted. And you especially hit a big problem when you start to get multiple of those weak spots on the court at the same time. Like the, mm-hmm. the other three guys just can't. If you have four guys accounting for one guy as a weak spot, that's one thing. But three guys accounting for two, you kind of, you, you, mm-hmm. you just can't do it. And, uh, and, and, you know, with, with less viable defensive players. Or, or, I mean, elite defensive players. Like uh, some guys are fine, but that you just can't mm-hmm. play a, a high, a high risk scheme like that. Um, yeah. And, 
Yeah. And then the problem you kind of run into is when you do want to play your better defenders, like Yuta Watanabe and Stanley Johnson, guys who in theory can hold up in that defense, their offense is so nothing that you <laughs> have issues on the other end, right? Yeah, it's, yeah it's exactly. It's it, Especially with the Raptors offense struggling too, um, it, it just, uh, th- that that's fallen off a little bit too. They were sort of top 10-ish for a little while and now they're sort of falling mm-hmm. back into middle of the pack as well. So it's just as... Uh, I mean, they're just not quite as good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's disappointing, but that's that's how it goes. So I do wonder what you think the way to finish this season out is. You know, I think you know, like I said, they've done a little bit more switching this year, been maybe a little bit more conservative. I don't think it's been like they're still doing their base defense more often than not. Do you think it's worth? like changing things up and simplifying things to close the season here? Or do you think there's some value now that it's probably a lost season? If it's not a lost season, it's a play-in season. You know, do you think there's some value in continuing to play this very challenging style of defense as a sort of form of development for the guys like Flynn and Trent who figure to be part of the team going forward? And if this is something they want to keep going with, then maybe there's some logic to just sort of putting them through the ringer, even if maybe they're going to get killed through the rest of the season or would you like to see them just like adopt a simple drop coverage or something to make things easier and you know rely a little bit less on Aaron Baines having to be like the backstop of everything I don't know where, where do you sort of view the, the how do you sort of view the last 20 games here and what the Raptors should be doing defensively I think they probably hmm, I'm not I'm not quite sure I, I think there's probably value to to just continuing on to some degree like I think they could simplify a little bit like uh, in the, in the game against the wizards, like they're going over screens against ish Smith, like 35 feet from the basket. Like I, I think things like that, that are sort of designed to get you into rotation are odd choices sometimes. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I think like to switch it all up when, Presumably, there are going to be non-trivial changes to the the roster. Mm-hmm. Um, I I just kind of don't see the the point. Like, I don't think they're going to go super deep in the in the playoffs, even if they win the play-in. Like, yeah. maybe maybe you 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 know pull off a, a crazy upset and take down one of the contenders, but. Uh, but yeah, I, I think if, if your desire is to play this sort of high intensity, high risk scheme, then then I say just kind of go for it and, and and see what happens. I think my caveat to that would be like if if OG and Fred or, or sorry, if Fred and Kyle are gonna miss a bunch more time, like I just don't think it's tenable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With with some of these guys. Uh, but if but if the Raptors get healthy and and have their guys, then then yeah, I, I say go for it because because why not? That's that's what you want to be doing. Yeah, it's uh it's well put. Uh, we're gonna continue on. We're gonna dive into a couple more notes on the defense to close things out here in just one second. But first, I want to tell everybody about our friends over at BetOnline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. You've got the NBA every single night, NHL, MLB is now started up, and of course, you'll have futures coming up soon for the NFL season to come in the fall. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, reality TV, all sorts of stuff, Greek basketball, as we've talked about. You can bet on basically anything you want, real-time updated odds and props, and almost anything you can imagine. They are the place 
place. They have you covered for news, scores, and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets. And it's also free to sign up. Just head to the website or use your mobile device and sign up today and also receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the code LOCKEDON, all one word. That's betonline.ag, promo code LOCKEDON, BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Brad, let's finish this off. I want to talk about fouling. Uh, The Raptors... Do it a lot. Uh, they are 0.1 fouls per game behind being the worst team in the league at committing fouls. The Wizards commit 22.1 a game. The Raptors, 22.0. Obviously, part of this is due to the Raptors being very aggressive. They love to force turnovers. They force turnovers a lot. It's a big part of you know milking as much as you can out of the offense and you know getting in transition and all that stuff they have guys who are very good at digging down and forcing steals and jumping passing lanes they're extremely good at it but also that comes with fouling a lot and getting into the bonus early and giving up easy free throws all the time <laughs> i mean i i just i'm very sort of unsure as to like how to address this issue because I mean I guess they could just play smarter more disciplined defense and not go over the top with you know the the going for steals and all that stuff but it is part of what makes them them so uh, is there a solution are you okay just dealing with the fouls I I guess the answer is probably no because it's killing them and they're giving up I believe they're leading the league in free throws allowed while in the bonus which is just giving away free extra points you know, thankfully, we've seen fewer of the Terrence Davis three fouls in two minutes since he's been gone. Thank God. But you're still getting Chris Boucher picking up a ton of fouls here and there. You're picking up uh, Aaron Baines, who never thinks he's ever committed a foul in his life, obviously picking up lots of fouls. It's been a it's been a rough go. Where are you at with, um, you know, just how the Raptors are going about their their sort of their discipline and their issues? Like, is there a solution for it? Or is it just kind of part and parcel with the way they want to play defense? And is something that with better defensive personnel, assuming they can go add some in the offseason, will kind of curb itself? Uh, so it's kind of both of those things. It's uh, their, their play style is aggressive. And, and also the nature of their play style, like running guys off the three-point line, you're sort of inherently getting yourself out of position, which is when you're setting up yourself up to commit fouls. I think the the ones that kill me are fouls when they're in the bonus and the player is not even shooting. Like those are the fouls yeah. to me where it's like what what are you doing? Like and and I find certain players are bigger culprits uh from those uh, than other people. I I find Stanley Johnson seems to commit more than his fair share of like perimeter off ball fouls or like when a guy just has the ball, he's just taking a swipe at it. And it's like, you're not going to get the steal. We don't need, <laughs> we don't need to be getting them free throws because like the thing about free free throws are just so, such an efficient shot that even if the alternative is giving like a wide open three to Duncan Robinson or something, it probably 
is still a lot less efficient than letting somebody go to the free throw line. Uh, it, it just is, it's, it's such a bad play to be giving up, especially when you don't need to, like, those are the ones that are killers. Um, so, so there's, there's sort of like perimeter touch fouls that don't need to be happening. And then the other ones that are crazy is, is just the jumping on, on perimeter field goal attempts that you don't need. Uh, and, and, and hit, you know, fouling three point shooters. Like it's just, they, they drive me crazy sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and I think part of it is, is the personnel and part of it is, uh, is, is just like bad decisions. <laughs> really? <laughs> like, I, I, I don't really know what else to, to call it. It's like, yeah, just like, don't put your hands on the guy. Like you you just have bad defensive discipline. Um, and, and, and it kills them because then you give up free points. You also let them set up their defense and, and it really is just a recipe for disaster. Yeah. And and look, it it clearly is working to some extent to be so aggressive. They are leading the league in opposing opponent turnovers by quite a margin, 16.6. They are leading by the difference between the second place team or between the Raptors and the second place Grizzlies is the same as the difference between the Grizzlies and the uh, the Hornets and Wizards are kind of split the difference. So the Raptors would be like tw- tw- it's like the twelfth place team that they are. The differences between like they're turning over teams a lot, and that's good. Obviously, I think it'd be a little bit more sort of justifiable if they were sort of hunting those turnovers and forcing them with such effic- such regularity and picking up fouls in the process if their transition offense wasn't so ass and it's been pretty bad this year they're bottom 10 uh, 1.11 points per possession last year they were obviously just blisteringly good in their transition offense let me pull up the number here last year they were a 1.15 okay so not that much better but they were third in the league not bottom 10 you know it's it's just tricky like the math is always going to work against you <laughs> if you're not converting on those opportunities that you're selling out so hard to force and yeah, maybe it is just a matter of like you kind of it's almost like a stealing thing in baseball where like certain guys have the green light and certain guys don't maybe you just say okay Stanley Johnson you don't get to go for steals sorry just don't do it whereas OG a little bit more disciplined a little better maybe he's he's good to go for it same with like Fred and Flynn and guys who are really good at the dig downs and steals that way maybe that's the way you, you sort of legislated if you're Nick Nurse like do you think this is a coaching thing do you think there's blame to be heaped upon Nurse for the way they play and the the over aggression that they use or is it more on the individual players to just like figure it the hell out? I think for the fouling specifically, like, like in general, I think their scheme could be adjusted to be a little bit more conservative than what it is. Um, but I think in terms of fouling specifically, I think that is, that's up to the players at the end of the day. It's like, you're, you're putting your hands in, you're, you're fouling a guy when at an inopportune time, like part of, part of being a player who gets to play in the game is you have to make real time decisions about like, is this a good opportunity to try and reach on a guy or to try and dig down or whatever. And there are conditions that make it a good idea. And there are conditions that make it a bad idea. Um, Like, like if you're going to dig down on a guy, are you helping off of a good three point shooter or are you, uh, helping off of somebody who who can hit shots, or mm-hmm. are you um, are you attacking when the post player has their back turns to you 
so that you're more likely to like blindside them or are they able to see you coming? Um, so, so you kind of need to assess all those things in real time. And, 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 and then examples of when it's, it, it's a bad idea to, or, or some dumb fouls is just like, uh, you know, Stanley Johnson's guarding somebody on the perimeter. He gets the ball and he's going to do like a swing pass up to the top. Mm-hmm. And instead of just letting that happen, Stanley takes a swipe on the ball and hits the guy's arm and, and, and now he's shooting free throws. It's like they weren't even gaining an advantage on that pass. So, so committing a foul is just a, an absolute killer. Yeah, totally, man. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the moral of the story here is get more good defensive players or get more two-way players is the thing. I think the Raptors yeah. should always have eight elite two-way players is, is my humble opinion. Um, on that note, to close out here, Brad, uh, I'm going to get you, you to play a little fantasy basketball right here. You know, thinking about like realistic offseason targets for the Raptors, um, you know, obviously plenty of different hypothetical scenarios have been thrown around. Is there like a player that you have in your mind? We, we can leave the draft out of it because I'm sure Evan Mobley, maybe not as a rookie, but in time would certainly help with all these issues and kind of fit nicely into the Raptors defensive scheme. Cade Cunningham too, all that. But in terms of like current NBA players, potential like trade targets, maybe even free agent uh, acquisitions. Is there someone who you think like, oh yeah, that guy would fix so many of the problems that this team has, whether it's the rim protection issue, whether it's the on-ball defense at the point of attack, whatever it might be. Is there someone out there who you're kind of like dreaming about the Raptors getting to fix the defense? Well, I will say I, I quite like the quartet moving forward of Fred VanVleet, Gary Trent Jr., Pascal, and OG. Like yes. I think that just is a unit that seems like it will work. Mm-hmm. I, I don't a hundred percent have Gary Trent Jr.'s game figured out, but it looks good. It looks like he gives the Raptors something that that unit needs in terms of like shot creation and shot making ability and just kind yeah. of general badassness. <laughs> um, so so I like where that's headed. So I'm sort of looking for for a fifth guy to complement them. And I think I think it will be wonderful if you could play Gary Trent Jr. as a big shooting guard mm-hmm. um, and then have like OGs and Siakam as kind of wing players who can play front court minutes. Yep. Uh, and then and then throw a center in there in, in terms of who they could get. Like uh, there have been so many times that I've thought this season, like, man, if they just had Clint Capella, mm. ev- everything would be different. <laughs> um, so I, I mean, with that in mind, some, somebody I would look at is, a. I don't think he'll be available, but a restricted free agent, uh, Jared Allen. Yeah. Interesting. I think even, uh, Daniel Tice, the Celtics unloaded him, uh, at the trade deadline. Hmm. Uh, not my favorite player in the world, but I think, uh, his defensive mobility and his shot blocking, um, would be, would be quite valuable. And I think in a front line with OG and Siakam, that uh, I, I think that would look really good in terms of defense. Um, so, so he's somebody that I would have my eye on. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, really, really, what I would like to find is somebody who is at least OG's size to sort of put in the front court with those two. Yeah, yeah. Barring uh, the Raptors getting the first overall pick and trading it for Carl Anthony Towns, uh, <laughs> which would be delightful. Maybe not fix the rim protection issues as much, but with that infrastructure around it, it would probably be pretty tight anyway. Um, of course, that's a pipe dream. I've really got my eye on uh, Boucher, Hood, and two firsts for Miles Turner, baby. 
Uh, Miles Turner would mop every issue up. <laughs> it would be so good. Yeah. Like, just a ridiculous rim protector. And, like, if you're funneling potential blocks his way, like, that feels like a way to set some key on Clark-ass records. I don't know. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. He's kind oh, of like great. my... He's like my white whale. Uh, if they can't get like a, a true blue star this off season, that would be great. Um, but yeah, I think that's a pretty how, good place. How much time's left on his? Con- oh, sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. Uh, he's got like to... I think he's got two years left after this. So okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Eighteen. Now, unsure why the Pacers want to move on. Yeah, the Hood and Boucher thing fits perfectly, baby. Um, do it, do it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> especially if they get like the twelfth pick. Like, what do I care about the twelfth pick? It'll be the highest pick the Pacers have had in thirty years. Um, go give them that and another feet first, and get uh, get Miles Turner in here, and uh, never allow a point again. <laughs> so i'm looking at this um that feels like a good place to leave this though brad thanks so much for taking the time thanks for sharing your wonderful expertise on defense you are so so good at what you do where can people check out your excellent work uh check me out at youtube.com slash too much hoops uh, i do like breakdowns uh, defensively i did a big one on why fred van vliet is so good at, at generating steals lately um mm-hmm. and uh yeah so check that out youtube.com slash too much hoops and then on twitter i'm uh, at two underscore much underscore hoops. Fantastic, man. Thank you so much for taking the time. And uh, that'll do it for today's podcast. You can find me at Woodley Sean. Subscribe to, rate, review, all that good stuff. It's always appreciated. Enjoy the game against the Bulls tonight. If you are interested and have an iOS device, we're doing a locker room in the second half of Raptors Bulls. A little watch party for the second half of that game. We'll chat about the Raptors and Bulls. We'll react in real time to what's going down to Zach Levine dunking on Chris Boucher or something. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. The, the Bulls can't defend anyone either, speaking of bad defense. So the Raptors should have a bit of a, an easier time scoring buckets, even if they only have nine players. I guess they'll have ten players, as uh, we record this Wednesday, just after they, f- they signed Freddie Gillespie. So that's nice. Um, so, yeah, that'll do it. We'll talk to you again on Friday with John Wilmus of Real GM and a whole bunch of other places talking about the Bulls game. And uh, have a good one, everybody. Bye-bye. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.